Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, everybody. Welcome to an Election Day edition of the Believe in Oakland A's podcast. I'm Ben Ross. Hope you've all voted or you're maybe waiting in line to vote while you listen to the podcast. Or maybe this is just a nice distraction from all the chaos. Either way, we've got a terrific episode Another fantastic guest this week. Last week, we talked to Ramon Laureano, A's outfielder. This week, it's the skipper, Bob Melvin, three-time manager of the year, including twice with the Oakland A's. He's spent 10 seasons with the A's. That makes him the longest-tenured manager in all of Major League Baseball. And he had lots of great insight. We got into the A's offseason, talked about Tony La Russa getting hired by the Chicago White Sox. He and Bob Melvin have stayed very tight over the years. And we talked about the World Series. Congratulations to the Dodgers winning their first world title since 1988 as they knock off the Tampa Bay Rays in six games. And Bob Melvin had some interesting comments about that series, including the now infamous decision by Kevin Cash to take Blake Snell out of game six when he did. It's unbelievable to me. I I get that that's how the Rays have done things uh, and use their bullpen this year. And, and it's, you know, it's a great group of relievers they've got. And they relied on them to get as far as they did. But I, I, I still couldn't believe with how dominant Blake Snell was looking. They didn't want him to face the top of the Dodgers order for a third time. He had struck out the one through three hitters all six times he'd faced them. They were 0 for 6 with six strikeouts. I mean, at a certain point, especially in an elimination game, I, you have to be able to adapt. You can have a, a plan going in, and, and obviously the Rays' plan was they wanted Blake Snell to face 18 hitters, go through the lineup twice, and that was it. Uh, but I feel like you need to <laughs> be able to make an exception when a guy is just dominating the lineup the way that he was. You look at Mookie Betts this year, for as amazing as he was, he struggled against left-handed pitchers. Now, I don't know why, but he only hit 200 against lefties. He had a 218 slugging percentage, which was the lowest in all of baseball. Uh, and he obviously tore up right-handers, sort of the reverse splits this year. So from that standpoint, it was a bad decision. And then you talk about Nick Anderson, who, the guy they bring in, and, you know, he's a great reliever. He was terrific during the regular season, but... He ended up giving up a run in his last seven straight outings to finish the season. So it's not like he was a guy who had been sharp. I mean, entering that game, it had been six consecutive outings where he had given up a run. But again, congratulations to the Dodgers. They were certainly the best team in baseball during the regular season. They were the best team in baseball during the postseason. And a well-deserved World Series title for L.A. for the first time since 1988. 
As for the A's, a little bit of news. Oakland did not offer the qualifying offer to Marcus Simeon or Liam Hendricks. The qualifying offer for 2021 worth $18.9 million. Now, if you're not familiar with how that works, essentially the player can either accept that contract and it's a one-year deal for $18.9 million, or if they end up signing with another team in free agency, you at least get a draft pick as compensation. So the A's choosing not to go that route. They still have an opportunity to re-sign either or both of those guys, but if they don't, they won't receive any compensation for Simeon or Hendricks. Look, I've made no secret about it. I've said it basically since the end of the season, you have to find a way to keep Marcus Simeon. I, I understand that revenues were down this year with no fans, and they're projected to be down again next season too, but Marcus Simeon does so many things for this organization, both on and off the field, that I just don't know how you can let him go and still ask A's fans to support the team. It just it doesn't make sense to me. Liam Hendricks, unfortunately, I think will be gone. He's going to get paid big time by somebody, and he's earned it. He's turned himself into arguably the best closer in all of baseball. He was the American League reliever of the year this season, well-deserved, uh, a great guy, and We've seen over the years the A's, well, the A's don't like to pay a ton of money for anybody, but particularly uh, relief pitchers. So I, I don't see Liam coming back. I'm hoping that they bring back Marcus Simeon, but again, that remains to be seen. So our conversation with Bob Melvin coming up in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you about betonline.ag. Folks, the NFL season is in full swing. Now, you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. Some interesting point spreads for this week in the NFL. How are the Chargers favored over the Raiders? It's only a point, but the Chargers have been a disaster this year. They've blown leads of 21, 17, 17, and 11. They're 2-5. and five. The Raiders coming off a win at Cleveland, now 4-3. and three. You know, the Raiders are actually a pretty good team this year, I think. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Well, our guest this week is a three-time manager of the year, twice with the Oakland A's, and he's managed the A's the last 10 seasons. That makes him the longest tenured manager in MLB. We are so excited to welcome Bob Melvin to the Believe in Oakland A's podcast. Bob, thank you so much for coming on. How are you? I'm good. Good. Still trying to, you know, you, it takes a while to wind down after a season, especially when, you know, you get to the postseason, you don't end up going where you want to go, but uh you know, so far so good, and uh, just trying to to enjoy the off season a little bit. Yeah. On that note, I, I'm kind of curious what you've been up to. Have you uh, did you watch any of the World Series, or have you kind of been taking a break from baseball? You know what? I actually did watch the World Series um, more so than I than I expected. Usually, it's tough to watch, and I probably didn't watch a ton leading up to that, but. Um, you know, just based on this year and everything that we had to go through and understanding where everybody, you know, how much you had to go through to get to the point where those two teams did, I, I did tune in quite a bit in the World Series. It was a very interesting season, obviously, and an interesting World Series, too. And, you know, every, everybody in Game 6, I think, was sort of talking about uh, the Rays' decision to take out Blake Snell. And 
look, we understand that um, th- that's sort of how the Rays did things all year, right? They, they had a great bullpen. They relied heavily on it. Um, as a manager, you understand, I'm sure, that, that criticism and, and second-guessing is something that sort of comes with the job. But I'm just curious what your thoughts are when you see something like that uh, with Blake Snell rolling along and then him coming out before facing the Dodgers lineup for the third time, and obviously it backfires. Yeah, you know, I, look, I, you have to be part of the process, and, and you have to understand how they do things. Uh, he stayed pretty consistent with how they had done things. Personally, just looking at it from a fan's perspective from, from afar, I don't know what transpired leading up to that. Uh, you know, workloads, whatever. I would have had a hard time taking him out. Just, just you know, look a short look. I would have had a hard time taking Morton out of the game. I think it was game seven, probably, of the American League Championship Series. Look, that's the way they did things. They'd been successful with it, maybe using a different guy, uh, you know, at that point when I think they've seen, uh, you know, I've seen that guy probably a few times. But look, you know what? They stayed consistent to what they do. It ended up backfiring on that particular instance. But there were a lot of decisions that he made similar to that that got him to that point. It's interesting because I feel like obviously the game has changed, but I think managing has changed too. And, you know, there's all this talk now about, you know, analytics and, and there's so much information um, that, that we have that maybe we didn't have in, 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 you know, during the older days. And the other thing is I think a lot of these decisions don't just come from the manager, right? It, it's an organizational thing and the front office has some say, what's the balance like uh, between sort of that plan and, and, the analytics versus the feel of a game as a manager? Well, there's a lot more collaboration now. It used to be, even when I started out managing, it was like the GM put together the team. Uh, you know, you, you, the manager had some say on what he needed, what he thought they needed. And then once the game started, you know, the manager was held accountable for, for managing the game. It wasn't like there wasn't information. You always had information. You're having a lot more of it now. A lot of it is more mathematic. Uh, mathematical so sure it's a little different how you process there's probably a little bit more um i don't want to say script but a little bit more understanding maybe leading into a game how you're going to go about it as opposed to you know everything just kind of coming from the hip and and being more of gut so i think in in the case of information now it's a great tool but you also have to understand you're dealing with people and things change over the course of the game yeah no that makes sense um Interesting hire this week, uh, or I guess last week, Tony La Russa uh, coming back into managing with the Chicago White Sox. Obviously, this is a guy who's in the Hall of Fame. He's one of the best managers ever, but I think it took a lot of uh, a lot of people by surprise. Kind of right alongside with what we were talking about with how the game has changed. What were your thoughts of that hire? Yeah, I know Tony really well, and I, you know, we've crossed paths. There isn't a year that we haven't crossed paths at least multiple times, at least in person, uh, over the phone. We we keep in contact. I support ARF, uh, you know, area guy too. So I have a lot of respect and and for Tony. You know, the one thing that resonated with me with Tony over the years is he never lost that desire. Whenever we talked, it always started with managing decisions a game that he saw of ours. He, he's picking my brain on what I was thinking. Uh, you know, when he was in Boston, he'd come sit in my, my office for a while. We talked pre and sometimes even post, you know, he's just a guy I've gotten to know uh, quite well. So it doesn't surprise me that, that he wanted to continue to do this. Mm-hmm. I think 
this place for him is the ideal place for him. He has history there. He knows Jerry Reinsdorf very well. He stayed close enough to the game to understand where analytics are right now, and he's smart enough to, to use all the information at hand. There's probably a degree of him that will probably be a little bit more gut. When you talk about gut, gut means experiences and what you've seen. It's not like you're just picking straws out of the air. Um, so I think as far as managing a game and so forth, uh, he's, he's not going to miss a beat. Maybe understanding how to, you're dealing with players and the newer wave of players uh, that's why you put together a coaching staff as well. But it wouldn't surprise me if he had a lot of success because he's just a great baseball guy. Yeah, as I said, he's definitely one of the all-time greats. So I, that'll be interesting to watch. All right, I want to want to obviously now turn to the A's and third straight season making the playoffs. You were on pace to win 97 games for the third straight year if it were a full season. Did some great things, winning the division for the first time since 2013, winning a playoff series for the first time since 2006, but I know that uh, you as a team wanted to do more. When you look back at the season, obviously not a normal season, very different with the shortened year and, and no fans and so forth. How do you judge it? I know it's still a little bit soon, but how do you kind of reflect on uh, what you were able to accomplish this season? Yeah, I, you know, I know it was a shortened season. It didn't feel like a shortened season because there were a lot of, lot of things that we had to go through, hurdles that we had to, to go over uh, that you don't do the course of during the course of a regular season but look you know you, you our, our focus at the beginning of the season was win win the division and that started in for the first spring training it, it resonated in you know summer camp or whatever we were calling it uh, we wanted to win our division to put ourselves in a better position now this year it didn't put yourself in that much of a better position based on you, you know you win the division usually you wait for the division series and you get a, a series off is there a home field advantage with no fans, so forth and so on? But we did win the division. We did win a series. And unfortunately, we ran up against a team that I think had a, a kind of a rebirth mm -hmm. getting the postseason. They wouldn't have been in the postseason in a normal season. There would have been a lot they had had to deal with as far as fans in the stands leading up to that. Now they get into the position we're in the postseason kind of with a new life and, and a really good team. And unfortunately, we couldn't stop them offensively. So that was really disappointing. We wanted to beat the Astros. I don't think there was a team that didn't want to beat the Astros based on what, you know, transpired, uh, you know, in, in a couple of years previous. So in that respect, it was a disappointing to lose that series, especially to those guys. That being said, you know, it's a young team that you have for the most part. Obviously, you know, there, there's turnover every offseason, but the core of the team is young and really talented and, you know, assuming you get a, a healthy Matt Chapman back um, for spring training next year, what's the excitement level moving forward with this group? Yeah, we, we know that there's a period of time with this team where we have a chance to win every year and that won't change next year. I think it'll be a different offseason and how clubs go about their business. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know that there's going to be the revenue next year that you know, in a normal season, I think a lot of teams will probably attack that a little bit differently. I think there will also be some great opportunities for with players out there that you might be able to obtain that in some seasons you might not. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out uh, and, and how clubs go about their business. But the guys that we return this year going into next year certainly gives us a chance again. Yeah, and you're right. It, it will be an interesting offseason. And, you know, I, I know that 
it's not your job necessarily to determine which of the free agents come back. But I, I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on on what some of these guys have meant to the team, starting with Marcus Simeon. I mean, he's probably right at the center of the big decisions uh, that the front office will have to make this year. A local guy who has become one of the best shortstops in the game. I'm sure you would love to have him back. What has he meant to this organization? Well, you know, you, you see what he means to the team on the field, but he means so much more to us, you know, whether it's every day in the clubhouse and his leadership, his, uh, his local blend of what he brings, uh, even in a, you know, in a season this year where we had to deal with, you know, some other things that you normally don't during the course of the season, the, the social injustice and so forth, which he was, he was leading our team is as well. Um, just a great guy and, and embraces the Bay Area, embraces being in Oakland A and is a terrific player on, on top of it. You know, I went to the University of California, so we have some similarities there too. And, and a guy that I'm going to be close to regardless of where he is or if he's with us, if he's not, 15 years from now, he and I are going to still be close. So there are very few players over my managing career that I've gotten to be as close to as Marcus. So he means an awful lot to us. You know, he's a free agent. He's going to be able to pick a spot wherever he ends up. And hopefully it's with us. I'm going to be happy for him. Absolutely. I think that uh, sentiment is echoed by, by A's fans everywhere. All right. Just a couple more questions. And again, thank you for, for taking the time to, to come on. I, I wanted to also ask you about uh, Tommy LaStella. Now here's a guy that I think everyone sort of knew how good he was just from his time with the angels, but seeing him up close, I get the sense that, you know, his value is maybe even underestimated or or a little bit underrated what were your thoughts when you acquired La Stella and what he was able to do uh, for the team and how much would you like to have him back I'd love to another guy that's going to be able to pick you know pick the best spot for him I know he enjoyed his time with us um, you're exactly right you get a feel for him on the other side and he was just a guy that was a pest he was on base all the time he was a tough at bat made your pitchers work he fit in really well with us because we had a lot of swing and miss guys. And we, we really kind of, uh, for a while there, uh, power was, was, was our strength. And, you know, we'd swing and miss a little bit. We strike out some, he was completely the opposite. So he fit in really well with, as far as that went, you know, getting on base, deep pitch at bats, uh, not striking out, making the pitcher work, all the stuff that, that maybe we lacked a little bit, he was proficient in. So he fit in great with us. Um, we'd love to have him back again. So much uncertainty to, to try to predict, you know, where guys are going, who we're going to be able to bring back. But I thought he, he fit in really well with us. And then one more huge free agent name, uh, of course, Liam Hendricks, the American League reliever of the year. I, I just want to kind of get your thoughts on his story the last few years. I mean, what an unbelievable turnaround in his career from, from being DFA'd to you know, increasing velocity and, and really improving and turning into one of the top, maybe the best closer in the game. Um, how much fun was that for you to be a part of that process? And, and what did he mean to the team the last couple of years? Yeah, you, like you said, I, I thought he was the best reliever in the American League for a year and a half. You know, if, when, he, when he got his opportunity, he took full advantage of it. And you don't, you rarely see a guy make the type of transition that he did that far into his career. You know, he was a starter, um, you know, moved into a bullpen role, had a little tough time kind of settling in where he was going to be. He made some significant adjustments to increase velocity and make himself a different pitcher. And you don't see that often throughout guys' careers. Usually 
it happens toward the beginning of it um, where you find your niche. But for him, it, it happened a little bit later and was as dominant a reliever as, as anybody in the game. So uh, ended up being absolutely huge for us. You know, could pitch two innings, pitch three innings in his last game for us. Um, so just is the, the world's is, is oyster right now as far as baseball goes. And, and he's put himself in finally in a position in his career to be able to, you know, obviously make some money, but also go where he wants to go and, and kind of uh, be in control of his career from a guy who was DFA'd and didn't know if he was going to make it back to a big league roster or not. So quite the transition. All right. Last question for you. We're into the off season now. Uh, I'm just kind of curious, what does Bob Melvin do in the off season? Uh, well, you know, you, you acclimate to home again and <laughs> uh, you know, you're always thinking about the next season and never really goes away. There's a period of time and up through the, uh, through the holidays where, you know, you're just trying to settle into the off season. After that, it's all about baseball again. But you know what I like, you know, I'm in, I'm on the desert now in, in, in Arizona. I love the mountain bike. I like to hike. Uh, I like to golf. So that all, all kind of plays pretty well, uh, you know, in Arizona. And then, you know, acclimated with your family again. Living in Arizona, there's so many guys from the baseball world that live there and a lot of our guys too. So it allows you to stay in close contact with these guys, but just try to be a normal family guy and enjoy the time off that you have. Well, we hope you enjoy your off season. We're looking forward to uh, watching you manage this team again next year. And, and Bob, thank you so much for coming on the believe in Oakland days podcast. We really appreciate it. My pleasure, man. That's the manager of your Oakland A's Bob Melvin. We really appreciate him coming on the podcast this week. Great manager, Great guy, and hope you enjoyed that conversation. We'll be coming at you with new episodes of the Believe in A's podcast throughout the offseason. We're going to go every two weeks instead of every week. So new episodes will still be dropping on Tuesdays. Our next episode will come at you Tuesday, November 17th. And we've still got a great list of guests we want to get to. And obviously, as we've discussed this is going to be a really interesting offseason. Some big decisions the A's have to make. And really not just the A's. All across baseball, I think it's going to look a little different, as, as Bob Melvin talked about during our conversation with, with coronavirus and the way that revenues were down. We could see some different decisions being made by teams than in a, in a normal offseason. So, again, we'll talk to you every two Tuesdays here on the Believe in Oakland A's podcast. In the meantime, if you want to follow me on Twitter, feel free, at Ben Ross Tweets. We thank you again for tuning in on this election day, and we will talk to you on November 17th. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.